We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And we already had a little laugh because I struggled with your name being up in North Dakota. You can already probably hear my accent, but why don't you pronounce your own name? And we're probably going to have to spell it for people so they can find you at the end of the show. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Abiel Ballesteros. It's, uh, I've been um, you know, raised here in Miami. Uh, originally born in Cuba, been in the real estate game for the past 15 years, got into the business at 25 years old, just doing real estate appraisals. Uh, that led to investing uh, real estate, traditional style real estate, buying, flipping single family to single fa- and not to syndicating apartment buildings. Sure. So, you know, we had kind of a, a little chat before this, and I, I do think that because of the current environment and the situation, you have some very practical and good experience with, you know, the crash at 07. You kind of went through that. Uh, Frankly, we're going to have to kind of face facts that we're probably going to see a little bit of uh, issues around the properties right now. Um, You mentioned having to deal with uh, squatters and stuff in your your neck of the woods here um, now during the coronavirus and everything that's going on. So I hate to just jump into it, but why don't we start there? Like, let's talk a little bit about your experiences around these environments and how you're handling it right now. Well, the the way I, I, I'm handling these experiences, you just have to be on it, uh, on, the, on your game 10 times more than you were before. Um, you, you can't take it lightly what, what's going on right now. And especially if you have vacant properties or you have uh, properties in the middle of a rehab. Um, I think now the conditions of the market, you're, you're gonna experience a lot of theft. Uh, you're gonna experience squatters. Your, your properties are gonna be very vulnerable. Uh, people are, 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 are going through it. You know, mm-hmm. Financially, uh, some people need homes. Uh, you know, the panic, it's real. Um, right. you know, if you were around for that, the last real estate cycle that you mentioned, 07, 08, uh, this has the potential to make that look like elementary school. Right. So you, you can't take this lightly. How bad is going to go? No one knows. But I, I do take it very serious. I mean, we're 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 driving by our properties as much as we can. It's you know, it's I know it's tough because of this whole coronavirus. But you keep your distance. You try not to uh, you know, you know. I know there's habits that people have the handshaking and all that. You know, you try to stay safe with all that. But. Um, my, my biggest fear is, you know, getting squatters. There's no foreclosure. There's no evictions for the next couple of months. You right. get a squatter in one of your properties, you're going to be in trouble for a while. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think the rules, depending on the country, have different rules for squatters than others. Um, what, what are some of the things that you've been doing in uh, trying to prevent this from, from squatters coming in or theft in general? You even had a story where, um, you had one property with all the windows stolen? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I purchased a, a portfolio of properties uh, here in Miami. Uh, it, was, it was a 35 duplex portfolio. 
the rehabs were going great. We were um, changing all the windows to impact. Uh, it was 20 properties that were vacant. We were converting them all to impact windows. There were old jealousy windows. And um, we, you know, Miami, we got hit with a hurricane. Uh, hurricane hit, caused a lot of damage. Uh, I went out to my properties the, the next day and properties were okay. There was some hurricane damage, but nothing crazy. Um, two days pass by. Um, everyone is handling their emergencies, so it's hard to get workers to, to jump back on your projects because they got their own issues to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back to my properties, and my, my, my impact windows are stolen from the frame. Wow. So, you know, that, that is a, a prime example why it's, in my opinion, you've got to put alarm systems in all your properties. Uh, I don't care what neighborhood you think you're in, how safe it is. Um, you know, these jobs sometimes could be inside jobs. You know, it, it mm-hmm. sucks to say it could be some of your own contractor workers. That, you know, it could be a lot of factors. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a bad experience, but it's something that you learn from. And I always, uh, I always tell you, man, put alarms. If you could do, you know, simply save ADT, whatever alarm system, I'm not going to sell a product, but me personally, I just love, uh, simply save. There's no contracts. It's very easy to install. You don't got to spend a ton of money. Just a good motion detector in the living room, you know, captures anything that happens. Sure. And that's what we're doing now with our vacant properties. Yeah. In fact, we, we actually went as far as getting, uh, you know, some ring cameras with floodlights for the front, front steps. So, uh, and then we just, from project to project, we just moved the, the ring camera from one place to the next with a hotspot, you know. Never uh, tried that one. That's and then cool. uh, you can buy those little cameras now. I think they're Wise or Waze or, or something. They're like 20 bucks yeah, a camera cool. now. Yeah, they trigger worth. on with some motion, and I mean, yeah, it's a wrap. See, I see. I didn't know about those. Yeah, they're you can pick them up at Home Depot everywhere now. They're just little. They're just just tiny, two inch by two inch cameras. You can kind of sit, stick anywhere. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you do when um when you don't have electricity in a property? Like uh, there's no there's no connection. We haven't had that problem. Um, we typically have electricity, so. I guess I can't speak to that, but if that was the case, I probably would, you're talking to a nerd here now because uh, my day job, I'm in IT. So I would get an uninterrupted power supply. Um, okay. So if there is a power outage, the, the power supply would kick on and, and power those devices. Yeah, we, we use uh, motorcycle uh, batteries. Hey, that'll work. <laughs> that'll work yeah, too. My, my property managers will go by, like if we have, a, if we're waiting to connect, if we, have, we buy a property that's been stripped from electricity, sure. we have my property. It lasts like four or five days. They'll pass by, recharge the batteries, and keep trucking. So that, that's our strategy. Yeah, that's Local awesome. Energy, it works. So you've been going to buy your properties every day, just doing drive-bys, just to check them and making sure everything's okay. If you find a squatter, I'm, I'm guessing that the police have other things to deal with right now. How have you been handling like those interactions? Um, you know, I haven't had a specific situation when I've, where I've had an actual squatter in the past I've had. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a problem. It's, it, you're, you're going to, if once they're fully moved in, it's, it's going to take you a month and a half or two months to get them out. Um, you know, those are experiences that we've already learned that we prevent them as much as possible. Um, but when you do, are you running a, a single family portfolio? It's a problem. We have a single family portfolio in Jacksonville, it's up to 60 properties. 
and we're constantly just on top of that. Sometimes you have tenants just leave without telling you. Uh, somebody else will come and move in a couple of days later. So it's, it's you know, you, you got to have an active property manager that's on top of their game. Uh, sure. I can express how much a property manager is important. Right. Do you, you don't manage any of your properties yourself? You have a property manager? I used manager? to not anymore. I used to. Um, I did for, for a couple of years and I found my value to be more on uh, moving the rehabs, moving the projects and raising capital. That That's mm -hmm. what I like to do. Um, managing properties, it's like a complaint department, man. All day, it, it, you know, it's not for everyone. Right, right. Uh, you, you've got to have a lot of patience. You, you, you can't lose it. You got to be very patient with these tenants. And I just, I did, that wasn't my, my, spe my specialty. I was, I, I admit it, I wasn't that, that good at it. So. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's always a, a great question to ask. And since you manage them yourself, um, what was the process that you went through to pick your current property manager? Um, and, and what are some of those pitfalls? Like we hear time and time again that a property manager can either make or break a property. I mean, when it comes to cash flowing, what, do you, what was the process and what kind of questions did you ask? I, you know, referrals are always going to be the, the best way to get a good property manager. You know, mm -hmm. your network, your friends, your, you know, your colleagues in the business. I will always go down that route and get a feedback from them. If they've been with one of your colleagues and friends for a while managing the properties, they should be good. Um, I'm a big fan of Appfolio. You know, they, they got to be knowledgeable in managing uh, through that folio. Sure. Uh, that's, and if they're not, I'm, I got to make sure that they're trained by it immediately. Mm -hmm. um, uh, an another thing is their personality. Um, I, from, being in the, from being around, uh, from managing myself, it takes a special breed. People have, uh, you know, they, they got, they can't have a bad temper. Uh, you know, they, they gotta be able to deal and they gotta, they gotta actually care, uh, mm -hmm. for these tenants needs. Um, it's a personality thing. If they don't care, then you're going to see it. Out. It's, you're going to see it coming out in your, in your, in your vacancies. Um, also someone is knowledgeable and, and knows what, what repairs are needed. Uh, something that, you know, if you try to take your repairs in-house instead of uh, outsourcing it, because that will kill your numbers. Uh, you know, also property managers are not trying to, uh, you know, get kickbacks from their handymans or the other companies. Uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a common problem. Uh, sometimes it's very hard to prove, but it happens a lot in the business where property managers will like to stick to one specific uh, company because they're getting kickbacks on the repairs back. Uh, sure. It's hard to prove, but it happens. So have you instructed your property manager like any kind of special notes or letters to the current residents regarding COVID-19 and the coronavirus, like some things to encourage them to, to pay their rent? And, you know, we're, we're going to experience some issues here if this goes, drags on too much. What, what kind of communications have you instructed? Um, what we did is uh, we, we do a lot of Section 8 a lot of government housing, a lot of programs uh, with the government. Most of our portfolio is secure with that type of rent, um, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not 100%. Um, on, the, on the tenants that are, are paying, there's a few that we know are already jobless. Um, we'll try to work with them. You know, we're going to let them know that the rents are still due. Um, you know, we're, we'll try to understand the situation and play it by ear because it's not, you know, if we start giving them all the different options that they will have uh, that they might just go to the last option just from day one. So we just, 
want to educate on that. You know, we understand that the government is providing help, but that there is the rent is still going still going to be due. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's just been kind of a touchy subject, you know, because unfortunately there's going to be a group of people, uh, you know, the government passed the the stimulus package here today. It's going to the president for signature. Um, When that money finally hits people's pockets, uh, there's going to be a part of the population, unfortunately, that's going to be making different decisions on on how to use that money. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been struggling with that concept of like what what kind of communication should be sent out and uh, yeah and how to, um, how to deliver it. It's going to be interesting. It, it's I mean we're not too far away from finding out what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like it, it's around the corner, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, um, I, I I'm in the low income sector. I'm in the C sector. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't own any assets or A's or A's or you know we do have one B portfolio, but most of our properties are in the C sector. So they're, they're, they're at working class. Our mm-hmm. average rents are 1100 to 1300 a month. Um, our lowest are $700 a month. So it's going to be interesting how this is going to, ha- you know, going to work itself out. Um, uh, it's, we definitely going to try to work with our tenants If they can't pay the full amount. We'll try to get it in portions, mm-hmm. you know, anything that they can would help us. Um, sure. I think having that open communication with them and that friendly environment, and we also want them to understand that we're going through it too. Mm. Uh, some tenants are understanding, some just don't care mm. um, for themselves. So hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get past that. Uh, mm. But we are going to expect some, some tenants. Sure, sure. Well, let's, let's, let's change the direction of this conversation a little bit because you know, uh, the email that I received says you have quite some stories that you'd like, you could possibly share. So do, what, what are some of the stories that you can share from your 15 years of experience? Um, one very important story is uh, when you're syndicating deals and you're buying apartment buildings, um, you know, just sellers being, not being honest on, uh, on, their, uh, on their expenses, uh, and uh, the tenants are actually paying, um, you know, just, just scenarios like that. When, you know, you're buying these, these apartment buildings, there's just a, a lot of sellers are not going to disclose a lot of things. You, you know, mm-hmm. you have to do your homework. You have to be very thorough on your inspections. Um, also, you have to put some addendums in there, man, to protect yourself. Uh, you know, one of my experiences was not, um, not certifying the rents that they were disclosing to us, um, not adding those rents, uh, not certifying because you know what, you know, they, they provide estoppels, but sometimes, you know, when you're buying a hundred, 200 units, not everyone gets assigned those estoppels, you know, it's just hard for them. Just, you know, making them liable that the information that they're providing is certified and signed and, you know, just mm-hmm. holding them accountable on that because sure, sure. you're going to have some stories where, you know, you buy a building and, 20%, you know, they, they sold you on a 90, 95% occupied, but 20% with delinquent, you know, so it's, those, those are experiences that I've had with buying buildings, apartments. Uh, sure. It's very dishonest. You got to do your homework. So how long have you been doing the syndication? Uh, it's been five years now. Sure. And how many properties have you been, have you purchased in that uh, fashion? In the last, the last five years, I would say, Right now, we're holding on to about 260 doors throughout Florida, uh, but we bought and sold a few buildings um, in the past five years. Uh, one of, we recently just sold 
two weeks ago, 42 units. Uh, and also we just made an acquisition of 41 units uh, two weeks ago, sure. uh, which was scary because we were buying it just in the middle of the storm. Mm-hmm. But um, we're, we're still, we're confident with the, with the purchase we made. It was a good deal. Sure. So some of the things that you do then, do you take these properties, these multifamilies, turn them around and then sell them at a, at a, my, my, my perfect uh, partnership would be not to sell them ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the real world is investors. Some invest, there's all types of different investors lining up with the right one. I think is the challenge Um, because you have investors that there's the flippers. They're the ones that just want to hold on for a very short period of time. And then, They're the ones that are okay with the five and 10 year holds. The five and 10 year holds are hard to find. Um, I don't know how your experience has been to find those, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, folks like to invest and they, you know, a lot of them want to see the money quick. Uh, sure. It's sure. a challenge. It's a challenge to find, you know, investors to line up with you on a long-term hold. Well, you got to go through an interviewing process with them too, right? What, what have you, what steps have you taken to find those right partners? Um, I, I like the fact, I like the, the, the best relationships that I currently have with investors. They have, they already come from a, from a passive income experience. They've already owned their, their multifamilies in the past. Uh, they're older gentlemen. They're, they're above 60 years old. They understand the, you know, the concept of buying and holding. They have the patience to, uh, to, to see it evolve after a couple of years to get that true value out of the property. Sure. Uh, I've, I've, I've found that younger, the younger, the younger investors are just eager to make that quick money. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if there's an actual uh, statistic to that, but you know, the young 30 year olds, the young 20 year olds that have a little bit of money, they just want to get that money back quick and see turnarounds quick. It's, it's, it's interesting sure. to see that. Sure. Well, tell me like uh, some of your better deals, like give, give us an example. I know you say you, a lot of your portfolio is uh, C class down in, in Florida. Um, what, what, are, what kind of numbers or what kind of uh, returns do you typically see in that market? Uh, in, the, in the last couple of years, the returns have been great. Uh, I mean, we've all experienced a boom. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's my, best, my best deals have been uh, portfolios that you can acquire and sell separately. Uh, you know, anything, everything, anything that I bought that was a portfolio of like 20 properties or like the one I mentioned, it was 35 duplexes that I was able to acquire them together and sell them separately. Those deals did just very well for me. Uh, Overall, anything that I've been able to buy and and just divide separately and sell separately have been great. Um, I always have the radar open for something like that uh, where you could set it, you know, buy, bunch of duplexes and sell them individually to FHA buyers or that first time home buyer or that first time home investor. They're just paying top dollars for it. Sure. Uh, well, they're borrowing very cheap, you know, very little money down. So the returns for them, you know, makes sense. Uh, those end buyers are great. They pay top dollars. Sure. Well, how do you find these uh, opportunities then? I mean, this sounds like a pretty good strategy that you got going on here. Uh, I'm a cold caller, man. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, I'm, I like, I like to just make cold calls, get, you know, that we, um, we have a call center out, out of the country. Uh, we pull our leads and, uh, we have our criteria. We look for certain signs, uh, you know, delinquent taxes, uh, you know, equity, 
and um, we make phone calls. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've heard people using this strategy more and more, you know, stepping away uh, a little bit of the, of the yellow letters and bandit signs. And, and it seems like the cold calling is becoming more and more popular. I think it's a personality. I think it has to fit your personality. Um, I do have colleagues of mine that are very successful with the mail outs, but they're just, they, they don't, they're, they're okay with waiting for that phone call to come in mm-hmm. for me. For me, my personality is I need to make the call out very hyper. So I need to make that call. It's just a, that itch. Um, so that, that it fits my style more. Uh, but I do know that there's other success in other routes. Sure. So when you uh, do these cold calls, what do you, what is your, do you have a script or something that they, they leverage? We, we do have a script. Um, uh, we use, I particularly like callers in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a small group. It's not like a big mega call center, but we, we do we do use a, a small group in the Philippines, and um, they basically just warm up the lead for us. Uh, sure. Once it's warm, then it comes either to me or to one of my partners, and um, then we we talk to them one on one. Sure, sure. So, uh, how do they warm them up for you? Like, what questions do they ask? Um, they 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 basically just uh, uh, ask them up front that you know we're we're investors buying properties in the area. And um, we, we could make a quick decision uh, and we're not there to waste our time. Um, it's a very short script. Uh, you could kind of, you could kind of sense their urgency. Uh, you know, we're calling distress. Most of the time it's distress sellers. Sure, um, sure. If they haven't paid their taxes in three years, they're having some type of issue. Uh, mm-hmm. So usually that's our first target. Uh, so, you know, usually we, we'll, we'll get a warm, uh, if, once it, it clicks, we'll get a warm a warm lead and then I'll take over and just talk, just having a conversation with them. It's, it's not really like a salesman type of thing. It's just like having a conversation, feeding them out. What are their problems? What are their issues? Um, most of the time our best deals come from people are just, they need to sell. They're mm-hmm. just through it financially and they just want to get out of it. Uh, and you know, that call just came and just saved, saved them right now. So sure. that's usually what we're trying to look for. Okay. So you, you uh, basically do a skip trace and have your team start calling. And what type of, uh, you know, the response rate on a, on a yellow letter now where you might see 1%, are you seeing a better return on that? Um, it's about, we're, we're, we're connecting. I think the last time I ran the percentage was about 12%. 12%. Okay. Yeah, 12%. Yeah. So yeah, it is doing better. 8 to 12%, correct. Sure. Yeah. So do you, besides the phone calling, do you hit them with any other advertising or marketing then? No, no. Most of it, yeah, just that, uh, all our, a lot of, a lot of our deals also come from relationship with realtors. Sure. You know, I buy from wholesalers. Um, it's tough. I try not to because of the, uh, because their terms of their contracts, but we've had some good deals off wholesalers. Okay. So um, circling back around here, we're, it looks like we're, we're kind of, we're starting to run out of time a little bit, but uh, you know, if, if somebody is getting ready, you know, looking at, looking at the current environment, you know, you've been through the down of 2007, uh, we might have a, a, this whole coronavirus thing, we might see it again in some capacity. What suggestions or what would you recommend them shoring up and getting ready for for that possibility 
I, my advice to young and experienced investors, get, get in front of your, your investors, communicate with them, talk to them, you know, let them know that, you know, stay in front of them. Cause I, I guarantee you other, other investors are getting in front of them. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunities coming up. It, it's sad to say, but it's just the reality of it. Um, when they're going to come up, you know, we don't know that. Um, but there is, unfortunately, there is going to be a lot of folks losing their properties. Uh, this unemployment thing is, it's, it's scary. Uh, so, you know, there's just going to be properties going left and right. Um, getting in front of your investors and just having them there ready for them, for you to be able to reach out to them when you got a deal in the pipeline coming. Sure. Well, I, you know, I can't thank you enough. This was a great conversation. Was there anything that um, you wanted to cover that, uh, or a question you wished I would have asked? No, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, I'm glad that we had this conversation. So before we sign off, I uh, always want to give people the opportunity. How do they find you or get a hold of you if they have any follow-up questions? Yeah, they can reach me at my, my email. It's uh, A-B-I-E-L. A-B-I-E-L at uniteddreamre.com. You can shoot me an email there and uh, we can link up and they have any questions. Well, thanks again. It was great to chat with you and, and uh, feed off of your experience a little bit. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content. And if you found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash house dudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at House Dudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is First Come, First Serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. I don't like to tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice.